Man, how many appreciate the praise this morning, the worship service, wasn't that amazing? So good to see you all here this morning and those, of course, that are joining us online. What a wonderful, wonderful morning to honor the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. You may be wondering where Pastor Adam is this morning in Cary. Uh, uh, Pastor Adam is ministering at the North Campus this morning. And uh, Carrie, believe it or not, is in Tucson ministering there. So one of those mornings where, where uh, we're out and about doing the work of the ministry. Amen. How many of you got a card on your, uh, on your seat this morning? Everybody should have. Matter of fact, if there's an empty chair, there might be an, an extra one there for you. Plus, we have lots of them in the back. This is Easter invitation. Believe it or not, four weeks from today is Easter. Isn't that amazing? Four weeks. And so those are there for you to take and to share and to pass out. Don't, don't, don't hesitate to do it. We, we invest money in these for a purpose, and that is we all work together to invite folks. Amen. Hey, next, next Sunday morning, somebody say next Sunday, next Sunday, is Water Baptism Sunday. Come on. Always such a special time. So for some reason, if you've never been baptized since you've believed, not as a child or so, but since you've believed, if you've never been baptized, next Sunday is the Sunday for you. And so uh, it's going to be an amazing service. I promise you that. You will enjoy it. And uh, God's going to do some great things. So invite folks out. Come on out. Be a part. And let God just minister uh, to you. Also, you know, I... How many of you appreciated Wednesday night? Was, was that an amazing service or what? Uh, having Victor Dandridge with us and sharing just really, really something special. Uh, just a blessing. And, and um, you know, every Wednesday night we meet, usually in the, in the vault across the way, and so that'll be happening again this, this Wednesday evening. And small groups went off this Friday. How many are part of a small group? Yeah, there's quite a few. I know it's really some excellent things. And there's new groups opening even this week. As a matter of fact, tonight, Mark and Eileen open their home for a Bible study. And so that's kind of exciting. And uh, uh, you maybe uh, uh, if you haven't decided to join up with one of those, you need to do just that. Well, I'm going to minister on a subject this morning that is near and dear, near and dear, to my heart, and so let's uh, let's um, uh, uh, if you've got your Bible, uh, the main text that will be later in the in the message. I want to release the children, of course, uh, will be in Luke chapter four. Luke chapter four. I'd like to uh, uh, as we, we we prepare to minister this morning. You know, at Elevate, it, it's it is amazing how many different subject matters we speak on. I mean, there's so many. That we do, and every design, every uh, uh, message is carefully crafted, designed for a purpose and for a reason, so that we would learn, so that we would grow in our relationship with Jesus, or grow in our understanding of spiritual truth. Because we're teaching on all different kinds of issues, issues like morality. We spend a lot of time talking about what's moral. What does the Bible say about that? We talk about sin. And uh, well, how sin separates us from God. We talk about forgiveness and how we receive that from God, but also how we learn to forgive each other and, and move on in our lives. We talk about issues like family and, and finances and unity. I mean, the list goes on and on and on of all the subject matter that's found 
written in the book. And so uh, the, 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 the reality is, is that when we speak or when we teach this, we're teaching spiritual truth. Somebody say spiritual truth. It's totally different than natural truth. Matter of fact, the Bible says that natural truth and spiritual truth are often at odds. They're very contrary one to the other. Things of the spirit, things of the flesh are, are, are like that. And so what has to happen is people have to grasp or grab a hold of what is actually being spoken, the significance of that to their own personal life. And so that's something that cannot happen just uh, out of the box. That's called revelation. Maybe you'd say that word with me this morning, revelation. Actually, in order to understand or to see what God is saying in the spirit to us, there has to be an opening of what the Bible refers to as our spiritual eyes. So somehow we can see truth, that we understand it, we can grasp it. It's more than just words, it's something that gets deep inside of us. Isn't that what the Bible says when it says that without revelation, my people perish. There's, a, there's, there's something that's happening that, that doesn't allow us to grasp or grow in the things of God. As a matter of fact, we realize that, that Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus that he loves so much, and he's going to, of course, preach the gospel to them. But he says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. In other words, there has to be a revelation of God, of who he is in our lives, so that the eyes of our understanding can be enlightened. In other words, he's gonna open our eyes so that we know what is the hope that's within us. And so you see there uh, uh, that, that, that this is the case, that revelation is required for us to grab a hold of God and to grow in the things of God. This is why Jesus often taught by telling stories or by uh, ministering to people in a natural type of way to help them understand, to see how natural uh, events will parallel spiritual truth. And so people can kind of re relate to it, understand it and grow. And the way that we know and the way that Jesus knew if people uh, 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 see something or have had revelation is if by observing if there's a change in their behavior. If there's not a change in behavior, if there's not something that happens, then they haven't seen it, they don't understand it, they don't really grasp it because when you do see, when you have revelation, it becomes part of your character. Your character actually begins to transform or change according to what we, uh, what is revealed to us in our lives. And so uh, uh, we, we, we recognize that Paul in ministering, he, he would see this uh, and, and, and he would see whether people were embracing what he has to say. And so God sends him to the Gentile nation. As he sends him, he, he begins to pray for them. He's going to do more than just preach to them. He's praying and he says in Acts 26, 18, God opened their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to the power of God so that they can receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance. So he's really saying that that's wanna be more than just preaching the word of God. God, you've gotta open their eyes so that they grasp what is being ministered. And so that is the way it is. If you, if you stop and think about the scriptures, the Bible says 
that, that, that God's word is, do you, you remember what it says? It's spirit and it's life. God's word is spirit and it's life. But then it goes on to, to qualify that. It says, but it's spirit and life to those that grasp them, to those that understand and are able to have revelation of the word of God. Hebrews chapter four and verse number two, Paul says it, and he says, for indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as it was to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them. They was mixed with faith in those that heard it. So he literally said, the word is preached, truth is gone out, but it's not profited some people because they have not had revelation. So while every spiritual truth that we preach here at Elevate is important, and of course has the ability to transform your life and change and help and cause you to prosper, there's one subject that is absolutely essential. It's central to everything, and that is the subject of what I wanna to minister today, the title of what I wanna minister. It's a simple title, it's one word, and that word is, Jesus, Jesus. See, as the calendar turns to March, our society begins to think about the Easter season. People respond to it in different ways. I mean, in the secular world, of course, people go out shopping and there are little Easter bunnies that be found, candy and baskets and all, all, the, all, all the stuff that's a part of that. And, and of course, those that are in university and maybe in, in high school, like they start thinking spring break. And, and, and so Easter means to them, hey, let's go crazy. Let's, go, let's run in, uh, uh, in the sun and just have a great time. Well, the religious community, it, it operates in a little bit different way. So what happens there is they begin to think of Lenten services, services that begin to happen in that capacity. And they begin to think about the ash that's gonna be put on their forehead. They even change their diet, you know, because now it's not going to be just meat. It's going to be fish that's consumed. But there's another part of our culture. Those of us that are born again, that view Easter in a totally different way. We view it as a time to gather together, to meditate, to think, to gather, to speak within our homes and within our families and and to talk about the wonders of a season that is central to Christianity. The wonders of the season all revolve around one name, and that name is Jesus. When you think about Palm Sunday and the excitement that was a part of that, it's all about Jesus, and he's gonna come down the, the mountain. People begin to grab and understand and see that he's not just a, a great teacher, but he is the Messiah. They begin to say, they begin to say Hosanna in the highest. And this, this mass crowd, all of Jerusalem is moved, but it's all about Jesus. And then there's Good Friday and, and, and uh, it's about Jesus once again. In other words, the trial that, 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 that was such, such an atrocity where they brought in people to lie about Jesus's character and slander him. And of course, then there was the torture that was a part of that, even before the cross, where they began to whip him and beat him and mock him and make fun of him. Uh, and then, of course, the crucifixion, where he's hung upon a cross, and there he, he, he died, and a sword is stuck in his side, pulled down from a cross, placed into an empty tomb, a stone rolled in front of it, and, and then the, the ceiling that came all around it. It was all about Jesus, wasn't it? The death 
of Jesus Christ. And then, of course, Resurrection Sunday or Easter Sunday as we would know it and the celebration where all of a sudden the disciples go to that tomb and there at that tomb, the stone's been rolled away and they said, hey, if you're looking for Jesus here among the dead, you're not gonna find him because he rose from the dead. We rolled the stone away so you could see he's not here, he's risen from the dead. It's all about Jesus. See, Easter is a holiday for Christians. I was looking for an amen. Amen. It's a special season. And we don't want to waste it, man. We don't want to uh, let it slide by. I mean, it's a season for us to remember what Jesus did for us. He paid for our glorious salvation. We want to be a season where we talk about it, where it's not just something that we do in church, but in our homes, in our families, in our e-groups, and in our jobs, and everywhere that we go, we talk about, well, Jesus, and what it was that he did, and what he means to us, and it's a time when we celebrate. I mean, we don't just uh, uh, just uh, just go to church. We celebrate. I get Good Friday outside, amphitheater, praise and worship, <laughs> communion. It's going to be a marvelous time. You'll not want to miss it because we're going to celebrate something. Uh, all of the events that made our salvation possible. Amen. But we know that not everyone believes what we believe. We understand that, that that most people in our society, well, they've heard about Jesus. They know about Jesus. They know he was a historical person, that he actually physically walked on the earth. They recognize that. And many even think of him very fondly as a good man. I mean, a moral man, a man who taught good stuff. He was a teacher that, that was to be admired. But that's not what the Bible says about Jesus. As a matter of fact, the Bible makes absolutely astounding claims about Jesus. He was not just some normal guy. I mean, he was actually conceived of by the Holy Spirit. Mary, a virgin, impregnated by the Holy Spirit of God. He was born to a to a virgin in, in, in unbelievable circumstances. And so that made him God in the flesh. That, that, that actually the creator of the universe, the creator of each one of us who knit us together and placed us in our, our, our mother's wombs to be born, that, that same creator came to be with us and there was a purpose behind that. He came for a purpose uh, uh, that because he loved us so much, he looked down at the mess that was created by our sin and said, I got to go, I got to do pay for the sins of these people. He walked in this earth and he did, I mean, astounding miracles. I mean, miracles that most people today, they hear that and say, well, that could literally have happened. I mean, nobody walks on water, or multiplies food, or heals lepers with a touch, or opens blind eyes. It just doesn't happen like that. Dead people don't just come, come to life. Couldn't have happened like that. But the Bible says that's exactly what he did. And then he poured his life into disciples that, that followed him. And, and they watched and observed and they listened to everything that he had to say. And that became the foundation of what you and I are a part of today, the church of Jesus Christ. Amen. And we know that the Bible says that he died upon a cross, a sinner's death, hung between two thieves. But we know that that cross, though it brought death to him, 
and that grave that they placed him in, his lifeless body in. We know that after three days in that grave that he rose again from the dead and that in his flesh he came out of that tomb and he appeared to over 500 people at one time and he sat down and he conversed and he spoke and he talked and he reasoned with his disciples. He actually uh, broke bread with them and ate dinner with them and then the Bible says that he ascended up into heaven. He defied gravity and, and as he was going up he spoke uh, and he said the same way I'm going up I'm coming back uh, and I'm going to rule and reign on this earth together with every one of you. Now, not everyone believes literally that that is what happened. These, these, these claims that come from the Bible, it's a lot for people to wrap their mind away. But the way that you can tell whether people actually believe that is by the way that they choose to live their lives. Whether they surrender to Christ. Whether their will becomes subjugated to the will of of the Father. Because what happens is you've got to have revelation. A revelation of Jesus changes everything. To really believe, to see who Jesus is, means that Jesus becomes the very epicenter of your life. Every part of it, everything that we preach, all the truths, the spiritual truths that I, that I talked about, that, 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 that comes from the heart and the mind of God. It actually is Jesus himself speaking to us about our lives. And so to really believe that Jesus is who he claims to be, that he's God, to see that means that our life is not gonna be the same. It's gonna be transformed. See, many people believe that this is just Christian Dogma, it's just a part of another religious belief. But friend, if you happen to read those scriptures and you believe them to be true, can I just tell you something? That means that Jesus is God. I mean, there's no getting around that. There's no way that we can circumvent that. that. That Jesus is God, and if he's God, he is the only one that's worthy of our praise. If he's the one that we are to worship and, and we don't have to be told to come to church, we come to church to worship and adore him. Well, because he said that's good for us. That's what we're supposed to do in our lives. We don't do it because somebody told us this is the laws of Christianity. We do it because we got to be there to lift up the name of Jesus and to adore him before all. He's the one that's worthy of our allegiance. We don't have to be told to testify or share our faith. We don't have to be told to live a moral life or, or we don't care what the society says, what's right or what's wrong. We know what's right or what's wrong because, well, Jesus is God and, and he told us what was right and what we should do. Indeed, eternity is gonna be decided by who believes that Jesus is who he says he is or not. As a matter of fact, maybe you remember in the Bible where Jesus is walking with his disciples and of course his disciples were with him every step of the way. They, they heard everything that he spoke. They watched everything that he did. They saw every miracle that, that he performed. And we know that in spite of that, he speaks to his disciples and he asks them this question, this most important question. Who do you say that I, Jesus, am? Who, who do you say that I am? Now, obviously the answer to that question is of the highest priority because 
the answer to it cannot come just by natural means. It's, it's got to have some divine assistance to it because it's what we call revelation. That, that we are, that's revealed to us is Jesus who he is, says he is, that, that God opens our eyes so that we can see. And so when Jesus begins to ask his disciples, even those that walk with him, uh, they, they couldn't answer the question properly. They actually said, well, you know, maybe, maybe a teacher or a prophet or, you know, I, I, I'm not exactly sure who it is, but do you remember what Jesus said? I mean, Peter says, Peter opens his mouth and he says, oh no. He says, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus shoots right back, responds to him, in Mark, uh, Matthew 16 and 17, and he says, blessed are you, Simon, because uh, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father, which is in heaven. Literally, what Jesus said is, you didn't learn that in the synagogue. Uh, you didn't understand that from reading in a book. Uh, you didn't get that from a sermon that was preached. Uh, it was revelation. God opened your eyes, Peter, and you could see that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God. He goes on to say, Matthew 16 and 18, controversial words that Christians have bartered about for years. And he says, and also I say to you, Peter, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Now we as born again believers, we know from the scriptures that Peter was not the cornerstone, the chief cornerstone of the church. It was who? It was Jesus. And we know that the church would be built and the enemy would be defeated, not by Peter, but by everyone who had the same revelation that Peter had. On this, I'll build my church revelation that those who see Jesus for who he is, that's the church of Jesus Christ, and they're the ones that will build the kingdom of God, withstand Satan and every effort that he has. We will live forever and forever because we have revelation of who he is. This is how the church has withstood thousands of years of opposition. This is how when martyrdom uh, uh, comes against uh, born-again believers that the church continues to go on and on. This is why in persecution, the church continues to flourish and to grow because it's not built uh, on a single man, but it's built on the backs uh, of uh, Peter and you and I that have seen what we have seen. That's been revealed to us what was revealed, that Jesus is God, uh, that he he is the Messiah. And I'm here to tell you today that I believe with all of my heart, I pray you do, that I have seen it with my own eyes that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen. See, once a person sees that Jesus is Lord, once they're born again, everything changes. Their focus of their life, their devotion to Jesus begins to take center stage. This is what happened to me in my life. This is why this church is here. This is why it was founded. I mean, you understand, I was born into a family that went to church. Well, at least my mom went to church with us kids. I was dragged to church every Sunday, whether I wanted to be there or not, my little bow tie, and I was ready to go. I was a product of Sunday school. <laughs> 
were teachers, good people, sat down and used flannel boards and different ways to try to explain to me about Jesus. I, I was an altar boy, trained. I mean, I could, I could handle that little lighter thing with the little extinguisher thing. I, was, I mean, I was with the best of them. I, I got to walk out in a robe uh, with the pastor, you know, walk right behind him. I got to, to light all, those, all of those candles. I gave up, uh, I don't know how, two, two years of my, of my high school time every Saturday to go through a confirmation process where they hammered scripture at me over and over and over again. But can I tell you something? As I look back, I realize something. I was blind. I could not see. I did not know who Jesus was. And what revealed that was my lifestyle. You could see the truth. Lying was not a problem for me. You could see that anger would be uncontrollable in my life. You could see that drinking was a problem that, that would arise in my family. You could see the way that I lived my life, the language that came out of my mouth, that I was not a believer, that Jesus was who he said he was. And though I knew Christian doctrine, Jesus had no influence on my life except for on Sundays for a few hours. How is this possible? And I'll tell you how. It's not that I was stupid. It's not that I couldn't understand what was being taught, what was being hammered at me. But I didn't have what I needed. I didn't have revelation. I needed to see I was a sinner, that I needed a savior. I needed to know that Jesus gave his blood for my sin. I needed to know that that. I needed to have God open my eyes to see that Jesus was my savior. He was not just an historical figure, but he was my creator. He was my redeemer. He was the one who loved me. He was the one that, that, that said, I love you, Carl. Do you know that Jesus loves you today? Amen. Do you know that Jesus says, I want to call you my friend? He's not just someone to come to church, some, some concept that we think about, but he says, I want to be your friend. Do you know that Jesus sits down and listens to us, that when we come to him in prayer, we pour out our hearts before him and he responds to us. And I can tell you that when God opened my eyes that very day, I made a decision to surrender my life to him, that my will I would put down and that I would live for him. And I'm so glad that I did because my life and the life of my family has never been the same. We've got a future and a hope because it rests in Jesus Christ. And so today as we embark on the Easter season, my desire is that God would open eyes. That's what we sang about this morning. That's why this flyer is here that you and I have a function and a job. Those of us who are born again, that have had revelation of Jesus, that now the celebration of Easter is something that we share with the world. It's not their celebration. They can have their Easter bunnies. 
What we have is something so great, so much greater than that. It's Jesus that we can share with them eternal life. Amen. And so we have to have this revelation uh, enter into the hearts of other people. And to do that this morning, just to kind of open our eyes, I want to go to that scripture that I talked about earlier, Luke chapter 4. And I want to consider for a moment, the onset of Jesus' public ministry. Because you have to remember that Jesus was just, at one time just a little lad walking around in the city in which or town and village or whatever it was that, that he was raised in, the village of Nazareth. And he was known as his dad was and his mom was. Everyone knew them. Jesus was working there with his dad in the carpenter's shop. He was known as the carpenter's son. And he had a synagogue that, that was a part of his life, a local church, if you were to put it in those terms, that he went to and the people knew him. But this particular Sabbath, when he exited that building, there was never another doubt as to who Jesus was. Let me read Luke chapter 4, beginning with verse 16. I'd ask you to kind of follow along carefully. And maybe put new eyes on a familiar portion of scripture. For there it says, for Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. Now in that sentence, there's so much for us to think about. That Jesus was raised not only by his family, but he was also raised in the in the context of a synagogue or, or, or a gathering of God's people. And it was normal for him. It was his custom. It was customary for him to be at church on the Sabbath day. And the Bible says that he entered that, that, that day and he was well known enough among the people that they actually handed him a book, the book of the Isaiah, and asked him to stand up and read the scriptures. It'd be much like Someone standing here tonight, today rather, in front of you, as I'm doing today, and reading a portion of scripture. And the Bible says, and he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, a book that was familiar to everyone that was listening. And when he opened the book, he found, he went through the pages to find the place where it was written. And he began to read, and he said, Isaiah says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He, God, has sent me, Jesus, to heal the brokenhearted. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. And to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to acclaim, proclaim the acceptable day or year of the Lord. And then the Bible says he closed the book. And he gave it to the attendant. And he went back to his seat. And he sat down. But he wasn't finished talking. Because the Bible records that he lifted his voice again and said, Today. This scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Dude, you could hear a pin drop. 
I mean, all of a sudden, there's this deafening silence that filled that synagogue. Every mind was racing. Everybody was thinking, what in the heck did Jesus just say? I mean, he's come in here. I, he's read the prophet Isaiah. We know that. We understand. He's talking about the Messiah that's coming. But, but he, he just said that today, this scripture, the coming of the Messiah is fulfilled as you have heard it come forth from my lips. I'm sure they began to think, you know, he's lost it for sure this time. I mean, are you kidding me? Is, isn't that blasphemy? Don't you get stoned for that? And all of a sudden, we recognize that, that the people are trying to contemplate exactly what's transpired. Because they were re he read from the, the book of Isaiah. I, I'd like to read the same scripture that Jesus wrote now, not, not the account of Jesus, but it was found in Isaiah 61. Jesus texted, went through the scroll until he found the place where it was written, Isaiah 61 for our Bibles. And there the Bible says, this is what Jesus wrote. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the acceptable day of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. Now those words sound familiar because that's exactly what Jesus wrote. But the prophetic word went on to say, as the people would be recognizant of, and he said, the, the, the reason that God anointed me is to com com comfort all who mourn. I was sent to console those who mourn in Zion. I'm here to give beauty for ashes, to give the oil of joy for mourning. I'm here to be the instrument of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And then he says, so that they may be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. And so what happened there was Jesus was declaring, I'm not just Joseph's son. I am not just the carpenter's boy, but I am the Messiah. I am the promised one. I am God in human flesh. And he was declaring, you can look to me for healing. If you need deliverance, it's found in me. If you need freedom and you're bound in anything, that's why I'm here. God anointed me. God sent me to bring your deliverance. And he said, if you've got destruction in your life, I can tell you one thing. I am here today to make it beautiful that out of the ashes of your life, when you come to me, you'll find beauty. I will hear, I am here to restore hope and to place in your heart the promise of heaven that in me is found joy when you're going through the crisis and the trials of life and that in me, 
as you praise me, all the fear and the pain that you go through in your life will begin to melt away. And as you embrace me, you will become the planting of the Lord. Think about that. Isn't that what Jesus says? For I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And now the life I live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What he was saying is that as you come to me and allow me to be your everything, your healer, your deliverer, your forgiver, everything that you'll ever need in your life, as you come to me, you'll be born again. You'll die to your own self and will come alive to the newness of the spirit of God. This is what Easter's all about to those of us who are the planting of the Lord. Born again. Brand new. Sin forgiven. Never to be remembered again. It's what Isaiah said in the 53rd chapter in the 5th verse when he said but Jesus was pierced for our Rebellion. Are there any rebels in here this morning? He was crushed for our sins. Anyone here that's ever sinned before the Lord? He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. Paul writes it like this in the first chapter of Colossians, uh, verse 13. Uh, Jesus has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of his son, of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, uh, the forgiveness of our sins. Uh, when we begin to understand something and we can see who Jesus was and what he did uh, on on that cross, uh, what he did uh, when he rose with the keys of death, hell, and grave in his hand, when we realize that he's the one that created us, but we went our own way, uh, but he loved us enough uh, that he came to earth to pay the price for our sins, uh, when we realize that, it breeds devotion. And all of a sudden, we bow down. Tears are shed as we lift our hands and praise him in the sanctuary. When we sit down with our children and we begin to talk to them about the story of Jesus Christ, the one and only that was born of a virgin, conceived by the Holy Spirit. When we talk about the one that did unbelievable miracles when he walked this earth and that when he was put into a grave, that grave could not hold him. And we begin to talk about the fact that on the third day he rose again to the amazement of everyone turning the world upside down and here we are thousands of years later gathering together just like he said why not because we have to but because we got to praise him he's the savior of our soul most of those that were in the synagogue that day they heard what Jesus said but they couldn't grasp who he was for in verse 22 of that fourth chapter of Luke, it says everyone began to speak well of him and they were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Then they began to question, but how can this be? Isn't this Joseph's son? Isn't this the son of a carpenter? Just a few verses later, just a few moments of time has passed and notice how they responded. In verse 28, he says, when they heard this, the people in the synagogue were furious. 
Jumping up, they mobbed him. They forced him to the edge of a hill on which the town was built and they intended to push him over the cliff. But he passed through the crowd and went on his way. They had no revelation. They were there. They heard it with their own ears. They saw it with their own eyes. Jesus spoke to them truth. But human reasoning took over. Same way it is today. It's exactly the same. See, some walk in revelation. The revelation they walk in, you can tell it. You, you know by watching their life. They're honest, hardworking, kind-hearted people that love Jesus with all their heart and love their neighbor, care about them. Others quite can't, can't quite get it. They can't, can't quite see it. The way you know is that you can tell them by the way they live. They're afraid to use the name of the Lord in vain. They're not too busy to be in the house of God. All the things that Jesus says are blessing for us. No revelation. Actually, Jesus said it this way. In Matthew 13, verse number 11, and I'll read it from the Amplified Translation to try to bring out the original meaning. Jesus, talking to his disciples, replied to them, to you, those of you who are born again, to you has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them, it's not been granted. This is the reason I speak to the crowds in parables, because while... They have the power of hearing, seeing, they don't see. And, and, and while they have the power of hearing, they, they just can't hear. Nor the, do they understand and grasp spiritual things, spiritual truth. So I think it's time in this message and as we enter this holiday season to ask the question or revisit the question that Jesus originally asked, who do you say that I am? Because that question is not light. It's not something that we can just casually go, oh yeah, I choose Christianity to my religion. This remains the most important question that will ever be asked by any person. And you know what? I've made it my life's work to try to speak the things of God, to try to see people open their hearts to understand God. And I wanna tell you something, it's the most rewarding work in the world when you see someone who grasps it, someone who God grants revelation, and you see the change in their life from dishonest to honest, to, to teaching and loving a wife instead of beating a wife, to see children being raised in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, to see parents bringing their children to the house of God and growing up in the things of heaven. I want to tell you, I thought it would be easy. I thought it would be easy to convince people Jesus is Lord. After all, I could see it, but the scriptures say it differently. In 2 Corinthians 4 and 4, it says, but even if our gospel is veiled, well, it's veiled to those who are perishing whose minds the God of this age is blinded so they don't believe. 
lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who's the image of God should shine on them. What he's saying is without revelation, they're perishing. It's just the way it is. If we don't have revelation, we don't know Christ. And so today, as we begin this countdown to Easter, I don't want to just sing songs about I'll take you with me. I want to do the best that I can, taking my testimony, taking a flyer, inviting people to come and know the Jesus that I know. As we begin this season, I want to pray and believe God to open hearts of people so that they can see that their eyes are open to see spiritual truth. And maybe this morning, you and I I could just take a moment, just a moment to, to close our eyes and consider this. Consider it. Would you pray with me for our eyes to be open? 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7 says this, but we speak the wisdom of God. Look at it in a mystery. It's the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the Rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. But it is written, I hasn't seen, ear has never heard. It's not even entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But, aren't you glad for a but? God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. So Father, today, we wanna know you. We don't wanna just go to church. We wanna be the church. We don't want to follow just a dogma of Christian principles that have been written over the years. We want to live them out in our lives. Father, we recognize that we're carnal. We recognize, Father, that in the hectic lives that we live, we get so busy doing this, that, and every other thing, earning livings and raising families. And sometimes we don't just stop and slow down and say, Jesus, I need revelation. Revelation of who you are in my life. Revelation of spiritual truth, Lord, that not just not doing without knowing so, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray over this auditorium this morning that you would open every eye that needs to be opened to see. And, Father, I pray, Father, over those whose eyes have been opened that we would recognize the unique opportunity that this Christian holiday of Easter provides us to tell the story, to show the revelation in our lives. And Father, we pray, God, that as we reach out into our community, that you would draw people to the knowledge of Christ, that you bring them into the house of God, or that they could surrender themselves to you, the true 
and the living God. His heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Maybe, just maybe there'd be one here today that's never made the commitment that comes when we hear and see Jesus to be who he is. Maybe God has graciously opened your eyes today from the anointing that's upon his word, the anointing upon his worship. And today you recognize, I am a sinner. I need a savior. I, I've got to know this Jesus. And if that's you, all that's required, Jesus said, is to come to me. All you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And I'm here to tell you that the same Jesus that stood in that dusty town, Nazareth, in that synagogue, just a local church, and declared to them, I'll give you beauty for ashes. I'll set the captive free. And so it doesn't matter what you're going through, whether it's mourning or drudgery, hatred, sin, there is Jesus sent by God for one purpose and one purpose only, to seek and to save us who are lost. And if that's you today, I'm gonna to ask you to do something so simple. I'm gonna ask you to lift a hand up, and just put it right back down. Just lift a hand in the presence of the Lord and say, that's me, Pastor. I need to know Jesus. I don't wanna just come to church. I want to walk with him. Hallelujah. Jesus. It's the title of my message today. Jesus. It's the center of everything that we do. Jesus. He's the Lord, the Savior, the author, the finisher of our faith, Jesus. He's the one that conquered death, hell, and the grave. Jesus. He's the one that rose from that. He's coming back. Jesus. And those of us that see, we will stand with him forever, rule and reign. Unbelievable, isn't it? And so, Father, we thank you for the ministry of your word. We thank you, Lord, that there's power in the Word. And I ask you, Lord, let it not return void, but, Lord, let it accomplish everything that you ordained it to do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That's all right. You can give me praise. I'm going to ask you just a minute. I've got some really exciting news today, and maybe we can turn up the lights just a bit. But, um, you know, today uh, is the first Sunday of the month. Of course, that, that makes it Mission Sunday here at Praise Chapel. It's been uh, at Elevate Ministries. It's been that way since, well, way, way back, 1985, which has just been a tradition here. And uh, what that means is every first Sunday of the month, we, we set aside uh, a time to give and to, and to pray for those that are carrying the gospel message outside uh, of our particular realm. And the exciting news I have is, is, uh, 
is uh, that we're uh, partnering together to plant a brand new church in Ghana on, uh, in West Africa. And it's going to be planted in the city of Pobeman. And I, I have on the back here, maybe we could kind of, oh, sides. Yeah, so that people could see. This is actual dirt and, and uh, the actual location there in Pobeman, which is in the eastern uh, 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 side, uh, outskirts of, of, um, of, of Accra, the capital city. That is, um, they're, they're going to pour foundation. You can see what's going on there. Uh, and this particular church is planted by, the pastor's going to come out of our church, uh, the Pig Farm Church. Pig Farm. Now, you know, I know a lot of people say, Pig Farm, what's a, who names the church Pig Farm? Well, it's Elevate Pig Farm Church, and that's because it's in a pig farm. I don't know, no other way to say it, but it's a, it is a revival center. It's amazing what's happened in this, this church. The pastor's name that um, uh, is, um, is, is, that's going to pioneer this church is Ebenezer, Ebenezer Kwanu. Some of you may have seen his picture before. I've, I've known this man for many years, and he's the assistant pastor there in, in, um, at the Pig Farm Church. And uh, as a matter of fact, uh, in our, in our, from our own congregation, several people have probably preached there here. Is anybody over here that's preached at Pig Farm? I know uh, Arnell Nora was in our early service. He preached at Pig Farm. That's a, it's a great story sometime. You ought to ask him about it. But that there's other people that have been there from, from our church and our congregation. But, but um, what we have done is we've partnered together with him. They have the, the band to send. And uh, they got the property. However, they obtained that, I, I don't know, but it's their property. And what we're doing is we're buying 50 bags of cement. Uh, we're buying 100 bags of something that I've never heard of before, but it's some kind of uh, a clay that they use also within a foundation. We've bought uh, steel piping because on that raised part, they're going to pour the, the altar, but they're also going to raise up a steel frame and they're going to put over it a tent. They're going to start with a tent and uh, they're going to open the church on the first Sunday in, uh, in, in, is it May or April or May? May. It's the first Sunday of May. May 2nd, they're going to open that church and then little by little, They'll work and they'll construct the, the, their own church building, which I think is phenomenal. Amen. And so we've written the check. We've sent that off. Um, we've been a part of this uh, uh, for, for uh, the planning of this. And, and now we're putting the finishing touches on it. We want to be keeping that church in prayer. Pobeman. Somebody say Pobeman. That's church. Ebenezer. You don't get an Ebenezer every day here in the U.S. Ebenezer Kwanu and uh, is going to be the pastor. Also, we um, are investing this month up in e uh, Northern Egypt. Um, we're gonna to partner together with Jack Harris and other churches because there's going to be up in Upper Egypt, there's going to be uh, crusades and women, they're really women's conferences. And so they're gonna be in five different churches, five different villages, and they're gonna hold services just like this. Now this is, Muslim land, you understand that. But we've been given favor, especially there. At the conclusion uh, uh, of these, uh, we pass out shoes and blankets and, 
and, and food and, and things to help some very, very poor families that are there. But what's so cool is um, they've had up to 500 women at these conferences and they believe this one's gonna be bigger yet. And the government actually provides protection for us to go in there and hold these conferences. I, 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 when I saw what that Jack was a part of, I had to say, we got to be part of that. Can somebody say amen? Uh, we wanna see people saved. And so this morning, um, uh, you know, as we give, and I know um, we don't spend a lot of time with that, and many of you brought your tithe and your offering, and you know there's giving boxes in the back for, for that, and you know that you can do it online, and we, we so value your giving. We can't do anything without, without uh, the giving, but, but this, if you're giving here, please mark it that it's a mission. We like to know uh, exactly what it is. We always partner together. Somehow we always come up with the money to help missions go. But it's not enough for us to give. We also have to pray. I was looking for an amen there. That should be a no-brainer, right? Uh, uh, we, we, we also have to pray. So I want to do that right now um, as, as we're giving and are planning to give, that we could pray over these churches. Maybe you'd stand to your feet with me. And we're going to pray for two things. We're going to pray for Pobeman. And what we're going to pray there is the anointing of God on Ebenezer Kwanu. We're going to pray that God is preparing a people already. That as this construction's going on, as you can see from the picture, this neighborhood, there's not a lot of construction that's happening. It's a poor neighborhood. But we know one thing, that people will be inquisitive as to what's going on there. And we're gonna ask God to draw people there and so that when they open that church on May 2nd, that there'll already be a people that are hungry to hear the gospel message and get saved. And we wanna pray for Upper Egypt, for this women's conference that's going to happen. We wanna believe God for people to get saved, amen, and for families to come to know Jesus. Would you pray with me right now? Let's lift our voices. Father, in the name of Jesus. We are so privileged, Lord, to be able to release resources into the kingdom for work in Upper Egypt, Lord, and there in Pobeman, West Africa. Lord, we pray, Father, even in advance, that the work that's being done upon these volunteer workers, Lord, that you would bless them for their labor. God, that you would take the supplies that we want to partner with them the, to, to, to help them. Father, you would cause this to come together. And Lord, we ask you to prepare a people in in this little village. Draw them, Father, so that when this church opens, it'll open with a bang. Lord, salvations and people's lives being touched and changed. Father, the same in Egypt. Lord, these women, Father, that will be drawn to this conference, we pray the power of your spirit, the anointing that would break yokes of bondage and religion over people's lives, and that, God, you would reveal yourself to them uh, that they might come to know you. And, Father, we're so so grateful that we can partner in prayer and in giving and we thank you for the results even now in Jesus name and everyone said amen and amen let's give God a shout of praise hallelujah hallelujah come on let's all sing this one more time before the Lord today sing it out your praise forever will be your
Yes, it will. God, we thank you for this time this morning, Lord, that we've had together. We thank you for this service, God. We thank you for this Easter season. Lord, we're excited about what you're going to do, Lord, in this church. Lord, we pray that people would come in that don't know you. Lord, that people would be brought in, Lord, that don't know you, Lord Jesus. They can hear the gospel, the good news, Lord, of salvation. Lord, we believe that you're going to do great things through this church, Lord, through the people here, Lord. You're going to change this city and all the cities, Lord, around all of our campuses. You know, God really wants to change this, this whole area, and he wants to use you and I. Do you know that? He wants to use you and I, and that's why, Lord, we ask you for your strength and boldness, Lord, to speak out, Lord, to not be afraid, Lord, but to give, to give an invitation, Lord, to those around us to say, hey, come with me. I got good news that you need to hear. We thank you for it. We love you today in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. 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 It's all about who we say that Jesus is. As we go forward today, let's keep that in mind. Who you say he is will determine how you live your life. God bless you today. Thank you for coming today. We'll see you soon.